Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Do Weekly Podcast, a weekly challenge podcast for small business owners. By small business owners. Yay! <laughs> I'm Natalie McLeese. And standing at six foot four, weighing 427 pounds from the great wet north of Salem, Oregon, our champion and hero, Alex Vasquez! Totally cutting that out. All right, everyone, calm down. Your Lord and Savior is here, Alex Foscos. <laughs> Alexander, if I'm in trouble. Natalie, are you crying? Yes, I'm crying because I'm so upset about that intro. I thought that was a pretty good intro. I'm sure you did. Well, Natalie, it, it's great to see you. Good to see you, too. You are the vision of restfulness and joy. Well, thank you. I've been working on my compliments this week. That was a pretty good one. Thank you. The, the best kind of compliment that you can give is the one that you believe. Or, sorry, let me amend that. Okay. The best compliment you can give is the one that is true. I think that that is true. How is that different from the one you believe? People can believe a lie, and therefore they tell a lie that they believe, yet it's a lie. The same is true for a compliment that you believe, even though maybe you think it's a lie. I do not believe that it is a lie, that it is good to see you, and that you are the vision but of joy. I think, I think that's true. if a compliment truth. is a lie, why would I think that it was true? I'm really confused right now. Natalie, I think you need to stop trying to confuse everyone here, and we need to get like on track with this show. I feel like this is like the Vasquez paradox or something. <laughs> the Vasqueradox. <laughs> no! Stop trying to make everything a portmanteau. So, Natalie, uh, you having a good week? I am having a good week. How's your week going? I am having a very good week. Did you win a million dollars? I did not win a million dollars. Did you get a puppy? I pet a puppy just a few minutes ago. Oh, is that why it's such a good week? Whenever you can pet a puppy, it's a great week. Exactly. So this dog's name was Dot, and Dot's just a little puppy that cannot help itself but to give kisses and <laughs> try to jump up on you. I got very little work done towards the end of the day today. Well, that's understandable. But uh, what about you? Did you fight any crime? Did you, did, did you stop any injustices? Of course. Just like every week. I forget that every week you walk around wearing a Wonder Woman shirt. Exactly. Under my clothes. Under your clothes. And, and... spin around real fast. <laughs> I think we have some stuff to talk about. We have last week's challenge. We had a challenge last week. What was the challenge from last week? To plan for your succession plan. To plan for your succession plan. So it's not like a full-on... Succession plan, but it's... Because that takes months. Because that takes several months. It takes several months, possibly years. However, what we did say for the challenge was to come up with a plan or, or just a bulleted list of things that you would like to see happen in the event of your untimely, unforeseen demise. Yes. I wrote up some stuff. Okay, me too. 
Oh, oh, look who's fancy. Oh, oh, look who's all fancy doing the challenges so nobody gets cookies. Where did you do your, where did you write your challenge notes? On a mountain of marshmallows. On a mountain of marshmallows. I think that's false. Why don't you tell me about your plan for your succession plan? So thinking about one's mortality, one's expiration dates, a somber act. Uh, Most definitely. I'm 41 for another month and a half. Uh, With any luck, I'll make it to be 212, just like I thought. Again, 98% of people die someday, (laughs) so I probably won't make it that far. I'll probably die like 180 or something. I'm going for 103. Sure. I thought really hard about it. What would I want to have happen? Because initially I thought maybe I want the business to continue. It would be nice to have a thing that that continues beyond me. To leave a legacy? To leave a legacy. I realized the more I thought about it, the more that seemed like just not feasible. What I wanted to have happen is... I wanted to definitely get all invoices and bills paid. Okay. Once that's done, then understand what bills need to be paid off. Or not, I'm sorry, not paid off, but like any credit cards that need to have subscriptions turned off, PayPal accounts. But when I do die, like I would like to have my personal information in one place that perhaps my my mom or a trusted family member can have access to. Mm-hmm. Or even a trusted friend who is in this business, like yourself. Uh-huh. When I when I die, I would like to have that information. Well, that information will be collected somewhere. The information will be given to a specific person who I trust should I die or when I die. Uh-huh. The idea would be to liquidate whatever business assets I do have to put together any monies that are left over in any bank accounts. I would hand the business off to a member of my family uh-huh. or to a trusted friend or some someone. Then whoever it is that receives that would have instructions on how to distribute those funds. Because I would I would probably send them to a few different places, you know, give some money to certain members of my family and perhaps donate some of the money to other organizations. So those are things that would matter. And I, I would like to leave a legacy, and it, that would be nice. But, you know, short of that, I just want to make sure that whatever happens, like, there's a minimal amount of impact to my loved ones. Yeah, you that know? makes sense. I, I, don't, I don't want there to be a lot of headaches in the business. And I think that, and again, this is, this is without, like, legal consultation. So I, I don't know how feasible this is. but Right. We just wanted to get yeah. an overall plan of... I think that it's just a matter of assigning the business to someone so that the business doesn't go through probate or anything and have to suffer mm-hmm. any taxes or fees or anything like that. So just have, like, a smooth transition. And then for, for my clients, I would have them notified of what happened and... Give them a referral to someone like you or, or someone else in, in my community who they can talk with and, and then continue getting services from a trusted provider. That's good. So, so that's, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Did you give any thought to creating a trust? I did not, actually. I, I didn't give any thought to that. The challenge is I don't know what the legal implication is. like. Right. And maybe I'm thinking too short here, but, you know, I I don't know that my business is going to have like a ton of liquidity or assets attached to it. 
given the nature of what it is today. Who knows? That, that could change. You know, I'm not a complete dummy. I, mm-hmm. I've proven that I can, I can grow a business. That would probably be a good idea, just to have a trust that can make payments or, you know, execute certain actions and what have you. Uh, but that did not enter into into my logic. I was like, let's shut the thing down as quickly, as painlessly as possible, get the money out there, let everyone move on. I, I didn't want to be a burden. And to be fair, I don't really know about all the implications and things of establishing a trust. It's just these are the very, very beginning stages of no. thinking about what to do. So I was just thinking through experiences that some friends and family members have had when someone in the family passed away and some of the tough situations that they have had to deal with and how I could make those better. One friend had her mother pass away and they had a little bit of a hardship because neither her nor her siblings had you know, tons of money sitting around. And they had to pay for the funeral and all kinds of other costs because it took months to process her will and her life insurance and everything else before they got payouts. But of course, a funeral takes place just a couple days after you die. So they had to come up with this money and then wait months and months to be paid back. So thinking of things like that, like how could I make that better? That was just one thing that I came up with. Maybe somehow that could help with that. But obviously, we don't know what we're talking about, and we would have to talk to some lawyers to get this straightened out and figure out what you could do to make that a better situation for everybody involved. Do you remember Crash Labs down in Costa Mesa? Did you ever go to that? Yeah, I went down there a couple of times, the co-working space. Yeah, the co-working space. So I don't know why I bring this up, because I really don't know what ended up happening after, but... I don't know if you, re- you recall, but the the owner there, the, the person who owned that co-working space, I think her name was Lisa. I don't remember the last name, but she suddenly passed away. Oh, goodness. Uh, with, within like a year and a half of her opening the, the, the space, like a year wow. and a half, two years. And then she just suddenly passed away. No one, I, I don't think it was ever reported what happened or, or why she passed away. The business still seemed to go on as usual. I, I don't know how that all happened, how everything right. transferred. But as far as I know, I thought, I know that it, it was kind of a tough transition and stuff. I so. would imagine that's so early on in the business that that was maybe before it was even profitable. Yeah. I think, yeah, it, it's just if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a plan, it just makes things... It makes things difficult, but, uh-huh. you know, as far as I can tell, it still seems to be a functioning business, so something, something obviously happened. Yeah, and it passed to someone. It definitely passed to someone, and I know, obviously, she had something in place to keep that going, uh-huh. but, you know, for for me, I feel like I'd want to liquidate, pay things off, give pe- and get people money and donate whatever's mm-hmm. there. Like that's yeah. really what it comes down to. And be able to hand off my clients to someone who who I trust. And it's like, here you go. And that's kind of a way too to help a friend or someone, hey, you know, here's some good clients for you. Boom. There you go. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah, that, that's it. So Natalie, what I guess would you want to keep your business going after no. after the event that you're that you're unalive? I never even thought that that could be an option because I just feel so much that my business is me. Yeah. So that that was never anything that I that I even considered. 
I just figured it would get closed down, but I do want to make a plan for how that can happen. Probably some things that I need to look into to get a full succession plan in place is some kind of life insurance for myself, I think, just in case there's more outstanding debts than I have profited at the time. You know, it's an, it's an ebb and flow and it really depends on what time of the month it might happen. Or yeah. So I think something like that in place. And then I worked for a small business years ago where I helped the CEO of the company purchase something called key man insurance yeah. for the business, which would cover all kinds of business expenses and help to either close up the business or keep it running in the event that anything happened to him. So I think I would probably like to look into something like that for my own business. So, yeah, so getting like a personal life insurance plan and key band insurance. Yeah. This is not a conversation I've had a lot. I haven't had this conversation a lot with other folks who, who do what we do. Apparently, obviously, it's something that we should talk to more people about. Yeah, I think so. Because I I have a good friend of mine who has like an IT consulting business down in Temecula. It's him and and his brother and a good friend. And they've been doing it, you know, for almost 20 years now. So they've been in the game for a long time. I was talking to him and he said, yeah, uh, I don't really have a proper retirement. I don't have life insurance. And I'm like, wow, I don't have life insurance either. I I have a retirement thing that I pay into. Uh It's just nuts because there is so much that could happen. And if you're not prepared, you're going to create a huge burden for your loved ones. You could, yeah. Yeah. If you fail to plan, it's a great, like, revenge thing. So Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so you can, you can take revenge in the afterlife. Don't, don't let people tell you you can't. So do you feel that you have a few things that you would be willing to tackle within the next several months to get this all going? Yeah, I think so. I'd like to get at least probably two or three agencies or individuals lined up who could take over any existing business. I feel like... Putting it all on one person would probably be a little too much all of a sudden. Yeah. So, uh, you know, some way to spread that out over two, three, or maybe even four different agencies, um, I think would probably be helpful just to make sure everybody could be helped. I'd like to look into establishing some standard operating procedures for my business so people could have a better understanding. They'd have a document they could go to to understand exactly where I was in each project and how to handle it or how I would have liked it to be handled. Uh, Make sure all the bills get paid and then to do the best that I could to leave some money to my family members and to some charitable causes. Like cats? Like cats. Like how much money would you leave for your cats? Six billion dollars. Natalie, if you have six billion dollars <laughs> to leave to your cats, you're <laughs> you should you should not be in business. You should be living on a small island in the shape of a cat. So there's a lot of things to look into. Like yeah. I think definitely making an appointment to talk to a lawyer about you know, what they think would be the best routes to take care of as many things in the way that I would want to as possible. Sure. Maybe even a financial planner, some life insurance, and then just some help establishing standard operating procedures and things like that in my business. So lots of potential future challenges for the Do Weekly podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. So this is kind of a big challenge. I mean, the, the actual challenge itself, kind of simple-ish, but it's in the context of a much larger nebulous topic. <laughs> so, 
So good job, Natalie. Good job, Alex. Thank you. Is that it? Are we yeah. calling it a night? Are you ready to dive into the next challenge? What next challenge? The challenge that we're going to do this week. Oh, my word, Natalie. What's the challenge we're going to do this week? We are going to learn how to protect our small businesses from fraud. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was so loud. <laughs> you seem so surprised, Natalie. Are you that excited about protecting your business from fraud? You better believe it. Don't <laughs> ask me again. So I thought this would be a good time to talk about this topic because yeah. I've noticed lots of articles coming through my feeds about assorted small business scams. They seem to be on the rise recently. Yeah. So I thought it would be good to learn how to protect our small businesses. Absolutely. For for small businesses, Natalie, like getting scammed. No, and does anyone ever really get scammed as a small business owner? If you're smart enough to put together a small business, you're not going to get scammed, right? Alex, I've been scammed. <laughs> what? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I, I realize that with that last joke, I sound really shitty and, <laughs> and heartless. Uh, I want to assure you that that's all very true. However, I do not mean to laugh at the fact that you got scammed. So you you literally got scammed. I got scammed. It wasn't in my own business, but I was working for a small business at the time. Okay. And I had only been at that job for two or three months when it happened. And as far as scams go, it wasn't a gigantic one. It was for, I think it was $680. It definitely could have been a lot worse. Yeah. But I felt so horrible over this happening. I can't even tell you how many sleepless nights I had over this. Well, what was the what was the outcome or like what was the I guess the the blowback from from the scam? Like what happened? How did your bosses think of it? So my boss was actually very understanding. I was so worried that I mean, you know, I was new at the job, so I didn't really know him all that well. And I was so worried that he was going to find out I had done this and just fire me immediately. <laughs> but he yeah. was actually really understanding. And actually, he got on the phone with the scammers and fought with them. But they were so good at what they did that he actually ended up having to pay the $680. Oh, wow. Did you have to put in some free work to make all that up? He didn't make me... But I did a lot of overtime work for a little while, just for my own conscience. Well, you didn't do anything wrong, though. I mean, you, you got No, you got the tricked. company was really good. They were really yeah. good at what they did, and they had covered themselves from every possible angle. Really? Yeah. So, oh, man, that, that sounds nuts. I've never, I, I don't think I've heard of a scam quite like that. That, that seems very... Very well thought. Yes, it was a well-oiled scam machine. Oh boy! Well, you know, it, it's um, there. There was a there was another podcast. I think it was Reply All. Uh, it, in particular, it was the episode where they were trying to follow a scammer back to try to figure out who the scammer was, and they ended up meeting the scammer in person in India. And oh wow! What the scam was. They would call you and tell you, like, they'd call your number and tell you that you have malware on your computer, and they would get you, convince you to let them log on to your computer remotely, 
and then they would produce evidence of a hack on your computer, and then you would pay the money they would remove the hack. It's pretty shady. That's the, pretty shady. The, the episode you should listen to, it's two parts. It's really intriguing. But that sort of stuff happens a lot. Yes. And I think it's hard to know how to prepare against that because a lot of it is just, I don't want to say common sense. Common sense is a really dumb word. But a lot of it comes down to just asking more questions and understanding you can't just trust everyone yeah and i think the way a lot of them work is they create this false sense of urgency yeah like if you feel like your computer is hacked and you see on the screen things happening that's going to make you feel like oh my gosh i have to take care of this right away who knows what's going to happen so i think you have to learn especially when it's somebody that you don't know that you're dealing with you have to learn how to kind of step around that sense of urgency that they create that false sense of urgency and just take a step back and think about, does this seem right? Do I know, have I heard of this company before? Who are they? You know, you can always do a quick Google search. Even if you've already given them access to your computer, like you could just look them up on your phone, type in the name of the company and the word scam and see what comes up. What do you think the challenge is? To educate yourself about how to protect yourself against these scams. That's good. I know for for myself, I don't know how often I'm targeted by scammers. Uh, I remember when you were the target of an IRS scam. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Wow, yeah. Oh, wow. I completely forgot about that. I was targeted by an IRS scam, uh, one of those scammy IRS phone calls. Yeah, where you have to pay him money immediately or you're going to be thrown in jail. Again, that false sense of urgency. Yeah, the the caller, the scammer said that the cops were on their way to my house. They're going to take me in. But if I paid them like $4,500, because it was my mistake and they made me feel like an asshole. They're like, this is your mistake. You owe this money right now. And I was like, but, but, and I, I realized right away that that was not, I've dealt with the IRS before mm-hmm. on different matters. Yeah. I know that it wasn't them. Yeah. So <laughs> it was pretty think. obvious. They, they, I mean, the person did, did, uh, did have a strong accent. Mm-hmm. I knew right away, I guess what matters here is I knew right away. So I did not give them any personal information. Also, I, I scammed the scammer for about a good 25 minutes. Yep. And, and I even made them say that I love you. They, they, they told me, the guy told me he loved me by the end of our phone call. I'm that, sure you entertained him, if nothing else. I, I don't think so. He was very annoyed with me. He was very annoyed well, with me. Well, you kept him from scamming at least five other people. I hope so. I hope I so. I hope so, too. But, uh, so educating yourself as far as the scams that are that are out there and part of the education is just knowing what are what are some tips what what are some things that people should obviously exercise or 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 keep in mind when dealing with whatever the scam is because there's so many different types of scams right yes and we have um, some articles that we'll put in the show notes, one from the Better Business Bureau and one from the FTC mm-hmm. that outlines some of the common ways they work and what you can look for. Sure. So you can never believe caller ID anymore because it's super easy to fake. Yep. 
So you can never believe that anyone is calling you from the number they say. If anything seems suspicious, especially if it's someone who has called you, feel free to just say, "Mm, you know what, I need to call you back in five minutes. And then call the company for real and ask if they were calling you on the phone. Like, did your bank or the IRS or whoever it was actually call you? Right. If it's a scammer, they're going to be like, no, no, we have to take care of this immediately. But a legitimate business is going to be like, sure, no problem. Call back in five minutes. You know, I've gotten phone calls in the past that I don't think were were scammy, but they were companies that were calling me for some reason, like some customer service related reason, but I didn't know who they were. So, you know, I, I would give them any information like if you don't know who someone is obvious yeah i mean yeah. it should it sh- in this day and age it should be obvious like don't give your personally identifying information to anyone to, who calls you yeah, you to, want to make sure you yeah. initiated that phone call and that it's to a public published number in yeah. that business you have to be careful around email phishing emails can look very authentic yep i just received some emails from paypal yeah. <laughs> on resetting my password. And that was pretty interesting because it looks like, a, again, it looks like a legit email. But I had to look at the email uh, that it came from because, oddly enough, they can't seem to really spoof that, Yeah, fortunately. It definitely was not a PayPal dot com domain so it was, was it like scammer at gmail.com it might as well have been i think it was like paypal support at hotmail or some shit like that oh wow so, okay and uh, i've gotten those from my bank before and so if you get an email like that and you're like i didn't reset my password or i didn't make this purchase or whatever it is Go to the bank or PayPal's website directly and contact customer support. Call your bank. Hey, did you send me this message? If you're not sure, just follow up with, don't click any links in the email, but just follow up with the business directly. Right. Well, and I think another thing too, uh, and this kind of touches on what, when you, when you were scammed, when you were working for that company, do you feel like there's any training that they could have provided or any guidelines that they could have given you to kind of help you avoid making that mistake. Just telling people like, here's the sorts of things that you can pay. Here's the sorts of things that you can do like that sort of stuff. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it definitely would have been helpful. And I think this is a good tip for small business owners who have employees is to share that knowledge with them because they, you know, they never told me anything. And once I had, so this company was really tricky because they didn't make you pay anything on the call. They sent an invoice later and they were very aggressive about sending that to collections and even threatening to sue you if you didn't pay it. Wow. And they had this very tricky way of setting up an ironclad case on their side, or at least it seemed. So there there just didn't seem to be any way to get out of paying it. But once they had tricked you into agreeing to pay for something that was completely misrepresented. Yeah. (laughs) Like what I agreed to pay for was not the thing that I actually paid for. And it was like this little technicality. It was very sketchy. That's a that's a hard thing to protect against, right? Like, it is, it, yeah. So, I, like, I guess I'm kind of talking around it, and people are probably, like, wondering what I'm talking about. But what they called up and offered to sell me was a directory. I'm sorry. It wasn't a directory. I have to use their exact words. It was a listing of other companies that had booths at trade shows. Okay. And I even said to them, like, why would I want that? <laughs> hmm. And... 
the woman was just, oh, it's extremely helpful. All the companies who present at trade shows have all these things in common and they can be great resources and blah, blah, blah. And she kind of wouldn't let me off the phone. So I just said, you know what? Fine. Send, send this thing to me thinking, Hey, if we look at it and it's not great, I'll just send it back. Well, what they were actually selling me, and it's important that she used the word listing was our business being printed in the book, which you cannot return. So when you called them to say, I don't want this, I want to send it back. Well, we've already printed the books and your name is in it and you agreed to a listing. So basically they sent me a book of all the companies they had scammed. Well, doesn't it feel better to know that (laughs) you're in good company, that you're not alone? Yeah, it was a thick book. (laughs) Oh no, that's so disheartening, but, but it does happen. You know, what are, what are some things that, because there, there are so many different types of scams and something that I, I, get a reliable phone call or or several phone calls during the course of a year are the questions about mail, snail mail that a client receives, the Internet Domain Registry oh, of America. Yes. You own $400. Yeah, to renew your domain name. To renew your domain name. I had a client fall for that and pay them, and we had a terrible time getting her domain name back. So wait, they, they actually took the domain? Yeah, because when you pay that... When you pay that bill, you're transferring your domain name to that company. Oh, man, that is such garbage. What an awful company. It's really sketchy. And I think they've actually, this happened probably a decade ago, and they have made it harder now to transfer domains. Because now you have to go into where it's registered and unlock it. Yeah. And enable it. But you didn't used to have to do that. And they actually transferred her domain, and I had to fight and fight and fight with this company to get the domain transferred back. So if you have a domain name, just know who you have it registered with and ignore invoices from any other company. I feel like it's just a a good practice to own your domain anyway. Uh Like there's no reason you shouldn't like that should always be under your control. What are some other things that people can do to, I guess, smarten up or harden their business against attacks? Because There's a lot of things, well, there's a lot of threats out there. There are a lot of really common scams that happen over and over. So I think just kind of keeping an eye out on the news and seeing what the scams are and how they work is a good way to protect yourself. Okay. Be sure you're talking to your employees about that. Training, training employees. I, again, kind of going back to what we were talking about, like training employees about just having processes for, mm-hmm. for dealing with things like that. I mean, no one ever thinks, well, you know, it, some scammer might be calling, trying to get credit card information for like some invoice that's due yeah. or something. And I'm not sure. Have a process for verifying that. Yeah, have yeah. a process for verifying that. Like, you know, do you have a chart of accounts or anything like that? Like a listing of vendors that you have open accounts with because that right there would eliminate a lot of these scams, you know, who, you know, were, you're, you're being hit with a fraudulent invoice or, or something like that. And I think anytime someone is calling you and asking for some kind of money, you can always ask them to send you something in writing. If someone is trying to call you and collect money and you ask for a statement of what you owe them in writing, they have to legally send it to you. So if it's a legitimate business, they're going to send you some kind of invoice with documentation about why you owe the money. Right. That's And that's an excellent point. The other thing that I would recommend is the FTC, they, they do have a document. It, again, as Natalie noted, we'll put this in the show notes. 
but it's just like a PDF. It's only a few pages, but it goes over some of the more common types of scams. So that would be just a good resource to have. Read that and then create perhaps a process or train your staff. How yeah, have all your staff read it too. Yeah. And also to communicate with each other because I know even at that small business where that happened to me and I got taken in by the scam and my boss ended up having to pay the bill, I was ashamed of what had happened, but really I should have told my coworkers. Yeah. Because that same company could have called one of them and done the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So it really should have been an open thing. I I think a lot of times people are very ashamed when they have been taken advantage of by a scam. But I think we make it harder for the scammers when we actually open up and talk about what happened. Absolutely. And there's no shame in, in getting scammed. I mean, you... You were you were deceived. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's no yeah. shame in being deceived. You 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 got deceived, and that's just that, that's a cruel act right there. So yeah, um, the other person did the bad thing. Yeah, they're they're the ones who should be ashamed. The scammer should be ashamed. You're you, right. You know, one other thing I'd throw on there too is just to you know check in on your your businesses and perhaps your personal credit score mm-hmm. just to make sure that. You know, the accounts that are listed on there, like you don't have anything that doesn't look odd. Yeah. You know, or like there, there's accounts there that, that are paid off and or that there's nothing there that shouldn't be there. Yeah, that's a good place to check and see if you've had identity theft or anything like yeah. that. It'll and, show up there. Yeah. And I, I think I'm just trying to think of other things. I that... think we, I want to talk about like a really common scam that happens to almost every kind of business. So no one falls for it, which is where you get a check payment from somebody and it's too much money and they ask you to wire the money back, deposit the check and wire the money either back to them or wire the money to some third party. They'll be like, oh, well, we actually meant to pay two vendors with that. So can you send that money to this other vendor for us? So that's really common. It's a total scam. That check is going to bounce, but you've already wired the money and there's no getting it back. Yeah, that's that's a scam. I haven't had it happen to me. I've had people try it. Yeah. I didn't fall for it. I've had people try it three or four times. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I did have I did have the scam where someone want, wanted to pay me a certain amount of money, but they were deaf. Yeah. And so, yeah, I so see they couldn't get on the phone to talk yeah. to you because they were deaf. Yeah. I remember having some back and forth and I didn't, I didn't go through with it. I mean, it, it definitely smelled fishy. Yeah. It, has that one ever happened to you? Have you ever it dealt It happened with that? to me once and I know it was on some, uh, some online board, message boards and things with other web developers and everyone was getting it. And the person would, would contact them and they would want like a pretty simple website project done, but they would have this outrageous budget, like $20,000 or something for this project. So that would make it really tempting. But then there would always be something fishy happening. And when you wanted to get on the phone and talk with them, they would say, no, I can't talk to you. I'm deaf. Yeah, that's pretty lame. So I think we have a, did, didn't you say there, there was like a document from the small or the Better Business Bureau? Better Business mm-hmm. Bureau. With some information. And the FTC document actually has some really specific scams, which I think is helpful. And the Better Business Bureau document is more about general general things you should know and be aware of. Okay. So I think both of those will be really helpful. But hopefully we can learn a lot and train employees and keep businesses from losing money unfairly. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's your hard-earned cash, so don't lose it like a chump. Well, don't cost in, your boss six hundred and eighty dollars or more. <laughs> or more. And I think it's just educating ourselves on what some of the more common scams are out there. And depending on if you have employees or not, definitely consider some sort of policy or training. Have them read through these documents, especially the one from the FTC. Check your credit score. Make sure that there's nothing out of line there. Monitor it regularly. Mon- not just check it once. Yeah. Monitor that bad boy regularly. What else? Did I leave anything off here? I'm trying to think. Oh, and if you do get scammed, don't be ashamed. Let other people know so you can stop that scammer. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think those are kind of good starts. So really, this week's challenge is just to educate thyself. Mm-hmm. All right. Well... Natalie, uh, if people want to further educate themselves or learn or take on more challenges for their business, where where can they do that? Well, they can head to our website, doweeklypodcast.com. Oh, that's so fancy. They can get all of our episode archives. They can subscribe to our newsletters. They get a handy reminder when our new episodes come out. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> Maybe I should send one. And we also have links on there to where they can subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Get off the front porch. <laughs> Are we finally on Spotify? We're finally on Spotify. Oh, so good. And Google Play along with the brand new Google Podcast or Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're everywhere. Well, everywhere you never thought you wanted us to be. Yeah. There's no excuses for not listening. And then... You can follow us on social media. We're at Do Weekly Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. That's right. Say hi. Let us know how we're doing. If there's a particular challenge you would like to have us conquer, or not conquer, but, you know, tackle and then conquer, let us know. Because coming up with ideas can be a bit of a challenge sometimes. That's our extra challenge each week. <laughs> That's our extra challenge each week. That's what I would have to say about that. So, folks. Yeah, and hey, if you've ever fallen for a scam or had someone try to take you in with a scam, tell us the story. Leave a comment. Yeah, yeah, no shame here, folks. Hey, not not in the sharing circle, okay? For the Do Weekly Podcast, I'm Alex Vasquez. I'm Natalie MacLeese. And we're telling you to keep it doable, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. What do you call a pile of kittens? What? A mountain. Oh my god. Oh my god, Natalie. You have to stop telling <laughs> jokes about cats. Why do you do that to me? Because you like it so much. No!